everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to episode 96 of Writing Works Wonders. Our guest author today for the interview is Tori Ziegler. Writing Works Wonders writing prompts are terrific creativity boosters, and many people have already posted their responses for this week's writing prompt on our website. We will provide the chance for just a few people to read their responses today. So bring your smart speaker closer and get ready to join in the fun with your bibliophile friends on Writing Works Wonders. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. And I am so blessed. Of course, Kathy is the master of the website and the universe. And But I have a fabulous co-host and friend. And I'm glad to be here. Now, last week's prompt was to write a 75 words or less note to Shannon. Because Shannon was feeling despair over her writing or discouraged. Hi, Abby. Hi. This is simply called a note of encouragement. In the past, I tried setting goals, but couldn't always meet them for one reason or another. Now, I have a general idea of what I want to accomplish, and that's as far as it goes. This year, I'm hoping to publish a collection of short stories. If goal setting isn't working, forget about it and see where life takes you. The end. Thank you, Abby. And we did get a person in Zoom, Marlene Massat. Dear Shannon by Trish Hubstman. You've got dreams, girl. They're real, not fantasy. Make them work for you. Turn them into goals. You can do it. You've got brains, talent, resources, and drive. You've got the making of success there. Now, get your butt in gear and reach for the stars. Don't let anything stop you, yourself or anyone else. The end. Thanks, everybody. And if, again, if you want to share after we're off the stream, we'll, you'll have the opportunity. Back to you, Kathy. Let me provide some background information about our guest, Tori Ziegler. This information has been adapted from her website. Tori says, I'm a blind vegan poet and children's author who was born and raised in Wales, the UK, lived in Alberta, Canada, and Hastings, England, UK, and I am now back in Wales. Despite spending far too much time in the hospital and eventually losing my sight to congenital glaucoma, I've been writing since I was old enough to know how, with no plans to stop anytime soon. I have a long list of publications to my name, including several poetry collections, many children's stories, a story in a science fiction and fantasy anthology, and several other published poems. I love animals and exercise a great interest in knowledge. I have an alternative way of looking at the world and a wide variety of interests. 
designed to exercise both the creative and logical sides of my brain. I'm most likely to be found playing with my pet kids, involved in calls with the ACB community, curled up somewhere with a cup of tea and a book, working on some kind of craft project, or trying to keep those ahead, one step ahead of those pesky typo fairies while working on my own books. Tori lives in Wales, along with her Canadian husband, Kelly, and her pet kids, including a Herman's tortoise named Artemis. Her name is spelled T-O-R-I-Z-I-G-L-E-R, and her website is www.ziglr.co.uk. We're looking forward to talk with her. Tori, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad they're here with us. Thank you for having me. Would you share with everybody where you are, where you live? Bring us to your town, to your home, to your office. Bring us into your world, please. Well, I live in the mountains, a part of the mountains that are officially called the Brecon Beacons, but um, are more commonly known to locals as the Black Mountains in South Wales, where there's plenty of sheep and plenty of rain, just like the stereotype says. And that's where I'm happiest. That's why I keep ending up back here. As my profile says, I live with my husband and my pet kids, um, my dogs and my tortoise. Officially, I have a room that's a combination craft room and office, that, which is where I do most of my writing. But sometimes I'll wander off somewhere else with my laptop or craft project because, you know, you don't want to just stay in one spot. Great. Thank you. What inspired you to begin writing children's books and poetry? Why children? I just basically found that that's what I wrote best. I mean, I tried writing stuff aimed at older audiences specifically, and it just never felt like it was the right thing for me to to be working on. I had less enthusiasm for doing it, so I kept going back to doing children's stories. And whenever anyone would read my work, they'd always um, make nice comments about my children's stories and just say, yeah, it was okay about my other stuff. So it was obvious that my passion was for the children's stories and the poetry. So I just stuck with what I enjoyed most. Do you find yourself laughing out loud, having fun when you're writing? Yeah, I do sometimes. I mean, sometimes (laughs) the stuff is a bit more serious, so I won't necessarily be laughing, but I I always have fun writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant during the fun days. (laughs) 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 I didn't want you laughing at the serious stuff, (laughs) but uh, I'm enjoying your book. So now I'll turn it over to Kathy. Hey there, Tori. So pleased to have you with us. It's exciting to have one of our community who's also a writer to be able to share their experience and insights with us. It says in your bio that you've been writing since you started to learn to write. But when did you know, you know, you use the word passion. When did you know it was a passion and you wanted to pursue this as a career? Uh, Well, those actually came at different times. I've known it was a passion since I was probably about seven when I started writing um, more frequently because over here, children start school at about four. 
so and I was taught to read and write by a babysitter when I was about three I was already able to do the basics by the time I started school and by the time I was about seven um, I was actually writing stories and like trying to write stories and poems in school and when I was seven I actually enjoyed it so much and was doing it um, frequently enough that I my teachers entered me into a contest with older children and I still have the third place medal I won for it so and ever since then it's been a passion but as a career, I, I didn't start publishing until about um, 10 and a half years ago. I just found out how to, that it was an option for me to self-publish because I didn't want to pursue publishers because I didn't want to be told what to do and when to do it. So I didn't want to pursue publishing for that reason. But when I found out I could self-publish and that it was um, relatively straightforward, um, I decided I was going to. So I did. Excellent. That That's a great story and great to see how that evolved over time with your opportunities and how people validated you, recognized your talent, and, and then you continued on. I know many of our participants are interested in what sort of challenges you might have encountered while writing your books and your stories and how you've overcome them. And did any of that have to do with being an independent author? Some of it did. For example, some of the sites aren't quite as accessible as they could mm -hmm. be. Um, so I sometimes have to um, walk away for a few minutes and then try again. Or in, some, in a couple of cases, although this doesn't happen quite as much these days, I've had to get cited help to navigate certain parts of the site. Although with one of them, I got irritated enough that I emailed the people in charge of the site and said, this isn't fair. And they actually fixed the problem. So just make sure what can happen if you advocate for yourself. There's also the fact that I have to ha go through an entire process to get covers done, because not only do I have to deal with the cover creation in general, but I then have to have somebody describe it to me. And I have to try and envision what my cover is probably looking like so I can say if it's what I had in mind for my book. So that's an entire process. And it's a lot more complicated than it would be um, if I was cited you know so there's a few challenges like that most of them to do with um, trying to be a self-published blind author but there's also the fact that when you're self-publishing you don't get much in the way of um, publicity unless you promote yourself and I'm really not very good at that. Um, I have no enthusiasm whatsoever for, for promotion and marketing. That is true. But traditional publishers also expect their authors to be involved. But maybe one of the benefits would be that they would be providing materials that you could put out there. Yeah, they'd be um, putting things together. I just have to help yeah. host them. And, you know, they'd set yeah. up um, events. I just have to be there and do, you know, stuff there, that kind of thing. Depending on the publishers. Depending yeah. on the publisher, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I was wondering in that, you were talking about the sites and the sites that you might have had difficulties with. Are you talking about particularly submitting your work? 
well, when you are self-publishing, you have to put your stuff up into, like they have ah. fields you have to fill up. You mm-hmm. put it on the website yourself and then it goes through a review process for them to make sure you filled out everything correctly and it meets their and all your information that you've submitted meets their standards and the document is formatted correctly and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm talking about is that process. And who have you been using for that? What site do you use for that? Um, Smashwords, which is now um, part of Draft2 Digital, mm-hmm. and also Amazon um, mm-hmm. for my ebooks. Create Space, which is now only Amazon for paperbacks, and ACX for audiobooks. Good. I was wondering if it was different in the UK, but it's the same ones that we're using. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's very informative. And then, you know, um, I'm going to delve in just a little bit further on the process because this is very interesting to our our writers in the group and be informative for our readers. As an independent author, you've referred to uh, formatting your books, but I also want to get to editing, editing your work and then formatting it. Do you have somebody that also functions as an editor and gives you feedback? And do you have somebody that helps with the formatting? Uh, the formatting I do myself. Wow. Okay. Um, because I keep things pretty simple as regards layout, and mm-hmm. I have some computer skills. Um, and I actually have a foundation in information technology that was wow. based on Microsoft Office, and have just kept up learning some of the new things. I don't know how to use everything in the newer versions, but I know enough to do the formatting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the editing, um, I do the the initial editing myself, but I do enlist people I can trust to tell me the truth about things that need to be fixed mm-hmm. to like do a final edit and proofread. So very important, whether we're cited or not, that we get feedback on our work, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, it really, really Double is. check every, all information, spelling, etc. As a blind author, what are you using as your technology to navigate? I use um, Windows with JAWS and Microsoft Office. Uh-huh. Excellent. Thank you. Over to you, Cheryl. Tori, you know, as a children's author, we get asked... What's the age range? What age range is your book? Yours have different levels. Am I right? They do, yes. How do you figure age group? And have you ever had someone approach you and say, this is not the right age group? And the age group really depends on how, like you were saying, you were reading and writing very young so uh, first of all figuring out age group is really really difficult like you said because it does Mm -hmm. depend so I kind of estimate based on average reading levels for certain ages Mm -hmm. but I always if anyone does query I say well it depends on the child's reading level because like if Mm -hmm. someone says well what age is this same dies I will then ask well what kind of a reading level is your child at mm-hmm. and they're like well they're five and like well that doesn't help what kind of reading level is they right. at and I have had somebody say well because of the because of the content it's aimed at a bit slightly older and I pointed out that on books that are meant are aimed at the slightly older readers I do have a note on the 
book's description that says it may not be suitable for younger or more sensitive readers. And so I kind of indicate that and say, look, you know, depends on the child to what age group it is. I, I'm sorry if that wasn't necessarily right for your child's reading level. Mm-hmm. Um, try some of these books. They might be more suited. I don't think people. Oh, first, I want to tell you, use the word. Well, you don't have to, but I would like you to use the word independent publisher. You're an indie publisher. It sounds so much nicer than self-published. So there you I go. Don't like you, I, I, I don't like using the word independent publisher oh. because I'm not very good at spelling independent. You do indie. They call it I N D Y. So there oh, you go. Oh yeah, think, I, I, of, I don't. Of... I don't like short forms of words. So, <laughs> and, I, and I keep forgetting the order of spelling for in, independent. This okay. is why it's very. I say it's very important to check spelling because I, for one, know I am a very bad speller. I, okay. If it wasn't for spell check and dictionaries, <laughs> I'd have a real problem all right hey I just want you to know I totally support you you know you know me I'll blow the horn and be your cheerleader and they have sparkly sparkly pom-poms now too it's just pretty cool anyway and probably most people don't realize how limited we are when we have to put up an age group in like it might go first and second grade rather than first to fifth grade or or an age group is so limited in a three-year, a lot of times just a three-year gap there that that's where I find it very hard when we're listing our books. It's like you said, putting it in there because it does depend. I mean, I've seen people, children in first grade whip through my books and then somebody's in fourth grade struggle. Exactly. You know, it's a, yeah, yeah it's it's to be continued right <laughs> yeah right we, I think we could talk for several hours just on this particular topic oh my goodness yes we could Kathy do you have anything else before we open up to questions yes I, I'm very interested in science fiction how did you end up writing something for science fiction and fantasy Fantasy is a huge, it's, it's absolutely my favorite genre, uh, fantasy mm-hmm. is. Um, and a couple of the fantasy stories I've written are based on characters from role-playing type games, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type games, which I've been involved in since I was about eight. And my dad got me started in them because he wanted to still be able to do his games while babysitting me. Um <laughs> And so he got me involved in them because, you know, it was stories. So I was interested anyway. Being a huge fan of fantasy, fantasy is a a popular one for me, um, along with fairy tale retellings. But the science fiction one actually was an accident. I was playing Story Dice, which is an app you can get for the phone with my brother. He, He showed me it. And I was playing Story Dice and I got a um, role that my free dice were alien rosette fire hydrant (laughs) and I made up a story for it and he said you know actually that was really good so I expanded on it and published it so that's how I came to write the science fiction story (laughs) you think you might do some more yeah it was really fun to do I, I might do some more at some point Mm-hmm. And is it a short story or a book? Or yeah, what? all my um, stories are relatively short because they're aimed at children. Uh, they all fall under the short story category to some degree. 
with some, some of them only being around a thousand words, um, others being um, as much as about 15,000 words. Okay. And then how about the poetry? Has that always been an interest of yours since childhood? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I have a not particularly great, but still existent poem that I wrote when I was about five about a cat who went for a walk and climbed up a a stalk because he wanted to try and see a stalk in the birds talk um, so, so yeah um, but poetry is a bit a very big thing in Welsh culture poetry and music oh. are, there's a mm. quote um, to be born Welsh is to be born not with a silver spoon in your mouth but with poetry in your heart and music in your soul oh nice, nice. oh wow let's open it up um, of our participants Cheryl okay now we'll let Chanel take over all right stephanie how many how many books have you written so far counting the anthologies i've been i've contributed to i have 62 titles to my name Ooh, that sounds very interesting it's a lot (laughs) yeah i know and i did say 62 (laughs) as in six two yes I don't think I could write that many books in one time. <laughs> well, it is like a lifetime's worth of work so far, you know. Our next hand is Carla Hayes. Two quick questions. One that um, I, I think I ask these two questions to all the authors that are interviewed. And, I, and by the way, I'm enjoying this interview. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for scheduling this. This is great because I like to write children's uh, stories and poetry myself. My two questions are, number one, what inspires you to write particular stories? And then the second one, and maybe this is a non-issue for you, but it sure has been one for me as I've tried to get especially children's things published. How do you deal with editors that want to change something to the point where the work isn't yours anymore, that, you know, that it's just their preference and they change things around until you don't recognize it or they won't, they won't help you unless you make these changes? Well, I'm going to answer the second one first because it's the shortest answer. Uh, answer is if they start doing that, I start. I tell them that uh, it's my work, and that, that while I appreciate their feedback, I'm only changing what I feel should be changed. Thank you very much. Moving on um, is essentially my attitude with that one, because I, I'm happy for them to chat to change things if it tightens up sentences or um, fixes my. Um, spelling mistakes and stuff like that but beyond that my the people who help me with editing are not allowed to change anything it's a it's a rule I lay down and I'm very firm on as for your first question it depends on the given story I mean like I said my science fiction story Jeffrey the Orange Alien was from messing about with um, an, an app called Story Dice with my brother when we were bored one afternoon my Kiro's World stories and my Daegu's days do stories are based on things that have happened in the life of my own pets and so are a few others then I've got some that are what would happen if I changed this part of it for rewrites of fairy tales and my Toby's Tales series is based on to help me heal and deal with losing the last of my sight I wrote that based on my own adjustments after becoming completely blind so it depends on the book 
Right. Do we have anyone in Clubhouse? Yes, ma'am, we do. Lady Moonwalker. Hello, Patty. <laughs> I didn't know it was listed that way as well as Patty. Tori, you're doing a great job. Um, I just want to add something to what you said. I agree with what you said about the editor. I caught one thing that the lady said that they refuse to help you if you don't agree with them. Tough cookies for them. They're not the only editor in the world. So moving forward from that, you mentioned that you have 62 titles. Now I am writing furiously these days and I have a lot of things in the works, but when I hear 62 titles, my little green eyed monster comes peeping out and says, why haven't you got that many books written? You're older than she is. And so I guess I want to ask you, a lot of that stuff comes from where you've sat and done what you and I sometimes call writing doodling, where you just kind of write stuff and then it turns into things later. You have a lot of material that you work with all the time, don't you? From a lot of different resources. Yes. I do. And I kind of have a bit of a production line going where things are in various stages of progress. And like, as each one is ready, it gets published, but something else is usually not far behind. Right. Yeah. So So, like I had had one, had a client or a potential client who thought that they needed to write their entire series before they could publish the first one. Oh my. And I was like, no, 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 and not because <laughs> if that happened, nothing would ever get written so or published. And that's the other thing. When people say, how many books have you written? You know, do they mean how many have you written or how many have you published? And so when you say 62 titles, that's published works, right? Yes, it is. All published. Yep. Holy cow. Okay. So this amazed lady is going to go away and let somebody else talk, but... She might uh, need need to sit down if you're not already. (laughs) Well, it's just a lot of books. Um, We talk about writers like J.D. Robb and Nora Roberts, who are one and the same. And, you know, they have all these hundreds of books out, but you're right up there with them. So we just got to tell people about you. Everybody go and tell a friend about Tori today. By the way, uh, people who are traditionally published don't really get all that much help with publicity. You still got to do the grunt work. Mm-hmm. Jewel, Jewel, you may unmute. Hi, Jewel. Hi, I'm so glad we did this call. I've been kind of watching Tori from a distance and listened to some of her poems one day and really enjoying that stuff. I do have a question for her, and that is what advice you would give to somebody who has never published and has something that has been worked and has been written and would like to. I have um, a story I really want to publish, but I have no idea what to do. Well, first of all, decide which publishing route you want to go by. And if you want to self-publish, look into how to do it on the various sites that offer that option and do it. Basically, just follow the guidelines and do not go exclusive with just one platform, because although everyone says there's benefits to that, the wider you publish and the more formats you can make your book available in, the more chance you've got of getting potential readers, because certain people can and do prefer um, certain formats or can only access certain formats. Um, or will only access certain formats, even if they could use others. Do it in as many places and formats as you can. Jane Tolino, you may unmute. 
Hello, Jane. Hello, Tori. I am glad to hear your Welsh voice right there. And when I think of you, when I'm at home just talking about people I know and what they do, I think of you as Tori Borealis. So you get to be one of those shining stars in the sky of people I know. Well, thank you. Um, you are welcome. I am most interested in how you ground a story so that there are both concrete words and hearthstones, kind of like, and roots or wings. Uh, from my own experience, that very often I have to go get more information before I feel that I know a neighborhood or an object or a process. And I'm wondering how you deal with that. Well, because I'm uh, what's known as a panster, um, I just write the story first and then I go and wander down all the rabbit holes for the research to find out all the stuff I need and add it in. And then I go through and tidy up the draft and make it so that the things I had learned um, work with the story I originally wrote. So like if any of my story needs to be changed because something worked differently to how I saw it, then that will get changed then. Or if I can add something to my story because I learned something that would work to improve on the story or uh, add an extra layer to the plot or something, then I'll do that. That's, of course, once I manage to get myself out from all them rabbit holes, because, you know, research is, is almost as much fun as the writing. That's essentially how I do that, is um, get my rough first draft written and then go and find out all the things I need to know to turn it into a proper workable story. All right, our next hand in Zoom is Lisa G, and then we'll check with Clubhouse. Hi, I just wanted to ask a silly, a simple question. How do you spell your first and your last name, please? Technically, my first name is Victoria, and that's how you're going to find my books. And it's just spelled V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A, though I prefer to go by Tori, which is T-O-R-I. And my last name is spelled Z-I-G-L-E-R. Zulu, India, Gulf, Lima, Echo, Romeo. Thank you. Kathy wanted to ask a question. I'm wondering about character development, and you you describe yourself as a pantser. Then do you go back later and look at the arc of the story, your plot, plot arc, and then also your character development arc? Do you yes. look at all those sort of things? How do you do that? I'm, I'm a very visual person, which is really difficult at this stage of life with my vision the way it is. And, and I want to actually lay out a timeline with the chapters and then be able to draw an arc that I can see to see this progression and the dips and the highs. How do you do that um, for yourself? If it's going to be one of my really long um, stories or part of a series, then I will make some notes where appropriate. But for the most part, in my head, I've got an extremely good memory and I'm very good at imagining things, sometimes too good. Um, which does sometimes cause a problem because my imagination does get away with me. Uh, But it really helps in situations like that because I can remember details and um, visualize things pretty well mentally. So I just, when I'm going back through, I will tweak things that need to be, and I will go through over and over. I will go through each 
stories several times before I call it done checking for different things mm-hmm. as I'm doing so like one time I'll go through to add details to the plot another time I'll go through looking for character development right stuff that I need and every time I will double check on something else you know mm-hmm. yeah do you write many pieces that are multiple chapters no a lot of mine are not um I've got some chapter books and early reader type books that are like f- five chapters or I think some of my longer ones might be about a dozen chapters each but but those are children's books but those are children's books yeah. relatively short mm-hmm. chapters and still like still, they're all like under 20,000 words so it's not so okay. bad doing that yeah yeah I'm talking about something that's 150,000 words mm-hmm. I think with something like that even I would have to have a bit of a timetable laid out and more and more yeah. detailed notes mm-hmm. I just want to touch on your I think people would be interested in this that say let's say you're red nose rabbits you took the idea similar to Rudolph mm-hmm. so how did you make sure that you were going to be okay with the copyright by writing that writing it that way well first of all as long as you make sure that there are enough changes because there are only so many um different plots available anyway if you make enough changes that it's not completely out there in everyone's face hey this is just Mm -hmm. another version of that Mm -hmm. um, then it's fine also there are several different versions of the story Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them are actually like some of them are actually in the public domain and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so if it's Mm -hmm. something that's in the public domain Mm-hmm. and several other people have done versions of it mm-hmm. then if as long as you can give it your own spin so you're not obviously doing somebody else's like usually they're different versions of the same story about the reindeer right. and christmas mm-hmm. so i completely you know there's no reindeers and it's not christmas you know yeah the only thing i caught was uh when you said your nose so bright or something like that it was like just not even a full sentence so i was just i know there's quite a few people who like to write children's books and and like to we we've had a lot of participation when we use a a song or or children's song as prompts it's another way for us to put together stories mm-hmm. i just i just want to jump in here for a minute a lot of our people who are not writers that are on the call might not know what public domain is. And so uh, things are under copyright for like 75 years. So something is considered in the public domain when it's extremely old. And so you have to check through a database to see if it's in the public domain versus copyrighted. An example of this is if you go to LibriVox.org, how can they have up there all these audio recordings of the War of the Worlds and this, that, and the other. It's because they they are no longer in copyright or Shakespeare's writings. They're no longer in copyright. And so they're open to the public domain. So it's a technical term that has to do with things beyond copyright restrictions. And a small addition to that is the copyright restriction timelines vary from country to country. Absolutely, they do. Yes. Okay, we have Pam Johnson. Hello, Pam. Yes, hello, Tori. How are you? I'd like to you know. I'd like to ask, um, what uh, which thing did you write was the most exciting or most fun to write? 
Well, that's a really difficult question to answer because I always enjoy <laughs> writing. I think one of the ones I enjoyed most was my uh, book, Jinx and the Fairy Dragons, which is um, about a mischievous little pixie who gets into a lot of trouble while exploring with some um, dragons that are about the size of large house cats. Um, And it's just, he was just such a fun, cheeky character to write that. uh, So I really enjoyed writing that one. That's the one that comes to mind right now when you're asking, but ask me tomorrow and I might give you a different answer. Next up, Alice Mossat. Oh, Alice. Hi, Tori. I'm enjoying listening to you very much. And I hope that you will also read or recite one of your poems for us. I would look forward to that. And I do have a question. Are some of your books available through RNIB? And also, do you market any of your books in your local area of Wales at local bookshops or bookstores? I did contact the RNIB about making my books for sale there. But with me being an indie author, they were not very enthusiastic about having to do with me um, I and basically told me if I wanted to promote my books to anywhere I should write a blog I told them I already was they said to continue doing so so my books are not with the RNIB because they wanted nothing to do with my books because I don't have a publisher to speak for me and I have not done anything with local shops in Wales because for one thing, getting to places is not very easy um, in general, um, especially for somebody with a disability. And for another thing, I lived away from Wales for a while and came back during all this COVID um, and things are still a little unsettled. Um, Places in person is still not happening very much for me at the moment. Uh, it is something I would like to do at some point to try and get some of my books into some of the local places here, but it's not something I've done yet. Hello. Tori. Oh, hello, Starry. Yes. And so my question is, how did you find your niche in children's writing and poetry? I just wrote what I felt was right for me, and I write what I am inspired to write and hope it finds its audience. Monica, you may unmute. Hey, Monica. Hi. I really enjoyed your presentation, Tori. And I wanted to ask you, for someone that does not know, what is a pantser? And, oh, how, oh. and how, do you know, how do you know where exactly to do your research? Like when you look for a character, or you mentioned that you do your research in you know, different ways earlier. So those are my questions. And thanks so much for sharing your story. We, I'm laughing because we usually catch those those jargon words and make sure we explain them. And we totally <laughs> we, missed we that did. one. We I'm did. So, sorry. <laughs> so totally a panster, a panster <laughs> is somebody who basically just starts writing and wings it. 
Um, oh. it's basically, it's somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. As a, as a oh, that works. <laughs> that explains the, the word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I never yeah. heard it before. <laughs> Some of us like outline in our head and then we just, you know, we start yeah. writing. Yeah. I, I don't have time. I don't have time for outlines. So I don't want to fuss with that. I just, I start with an idea, a yeah. character, yeah. a plot point, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, and I sit down and start writing. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, and, I'm with you. <laughs> and as for the research, um, so I start with um, like looking stuff up, you know, googling things or uh, reading books on certain subjects or whatever, um, and see where that leads me, and kind of work it from there. Um, and things like characters and stuff like that. If you read a lot, you'll get enough that you can put characters together and stuff it's it's more the um details on how things work um that you need to look up and wherever possible i talk to someone who's had experience with um things to do with it um like if i'm dealing with real world stuff like um one of my books voyage of the crimson sail it's a sailing one well my brother is really into boats and stuff um, so I talked to him about boats a lot. I did a lot of research on boats and did a lot of research on um, pirates and stuff like that. That was fun. Um, it took me longer to research that book than it did to write it. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, so that, um, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. In Zoom, we have Sandra up and then we can check in Clubhouse. Hey, Sandra. Hi, guys. Hello. I think you can hear me because I... We um, can. I, so, great session, Tori. Really illuminating stuff. Eye-watering amount of books. <laughs> on the go. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't know that kids' writing was that complicated. Um, so, yeah, eye-opening stuff. So, Thank you for being here to listen. To find my books, you will find me listed as Victoria Ziegler. And Ziegler is spelled Z-I-G-L-E-R. That's Zulu, India, Gulf, Lima, Echo, Romeo. And you can find my books on a variety of retailers, including Smashwords, Amazon, ACX, um, so Audible, uh, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and stuff like that. If you want to just see a list of my published titles and everything, you can go to my website at www.zigler, again, that's Z-I-G-L-E-R.co.uk. The prompt for this coming week is going to be 50 words or less using the word nonsense. Thank you, Tori. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, if you don't mind hanging out with us for a little bit, there might be another question or two if you have the time. I don't mind at all. All right. Okay. And thank you for having me. Thank you. And back to you, Kathy. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today and making this a wonderful episode. And a big, big thank you to Victoria Ziegler to, for spending time with us. Be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. 
Tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.